Ladies and gentlemen, Cornhusker fans of all ages, welcome to the Five Heart Podcast. This is the substitute host, Todd Wolverton, joined as always by my good college friend, founder of Corn Nation, author, Carl Sagan wannabe, <laughs> expert on all things about Lord of the Rings, John Johnston. <laughs> Lord John, of the Ring. What? Explain yourself from outer. What you're in outer space. What what is going on tonight, John? Well, two things. You know, 90 year old William Shatner went to space today, and I I think that that is uh, that is pretty cool. Number one, that you can make all the jokes you want to about James Kirk and William Shatner, but. Being 90 years old and being able to get in a, like a spaceship or whatever it is, it looks like a giant penis, fly into space and come back down safely. I mean, what incredible times do we live in? I know that there's people out there that want to get cynical about this shit. And then when I go, all they did was fly up there and come down. What the hell? Why, why can't you be happy with anything? You know, they went to space. He got to look out the window at the giant globe that we live on or maybe giant flat platter we live on. It's still up for debate. But you that is just amazing that a guy years ago that just happened to, you know, star in a in a series that only lasted three years and has had such an enormous legacy, got to go see the planet, you know? Yeah. I think yeah. that's the coolest thing ever. I think that is pretty cool. I when I heard he was going to go to space, I thought that is just so perfect. It is just it's a shame Leonard Nimoy passed a few years ago because how cool would it have been, you know, if Kirk and Spock would have gone up to right. space together? How cool would that have been? That would have been that would have been pretty neato. <laughs> wait, 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 is what is this right here? Oh, if I point at the background goes away. I've never used a background. Yeah, they're kind of tricky to get along. You know what I think this is? I think this is actually a background, not of Earth, but of Mars when we settle it in 10 years. Okay, we should move on. We should move what on. What happened this past weekend? Well, uh, you uh, were at a wedding. and I was at uh, a wedding. You know, which, um, you know, it it's happens to the best of us. You know, even though when you become a Nebraska Cornhusker fan, you have to vow uh, not to partake in any weddings during uh, football season. I mean, that's, you know, that's a, a crime against Huskerdom. Um, I violated it last year. My daughter got married, the Ohio State game. Um, that was that uh, I've had to pay penance for that. And uh, John, I think you had a family member get married out in Grand Island, but you were uh, able to watch the game a little bit on a little screen. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know watching it on a little screen if that um, maybe that's penance enough, maybe that's punishment enough to have to have. To you know, it, the thing was, it wasn't just me. It was a groups of people with their cell phones. <laughs> and the thing was, is like there was two cell. There was a group on the other side of the table and a group on our side. And then their cell phone would be ahead. So they'd be all sitting there and it'd be like third and five. And they go, oh, and then we'd have to wait for the play to happen. And, you know, are they going, like, oh, or they'd all start screaming or some table across the way it starts screaming. And then we're all like, shit, you know, and then we watch the play. So it was really kind of weird. And, you know, my eyes are great. So I saw everything. <laughs> well, um, nonetheless, 
it was uh, a, a pretty incredible football game last Saturday night. Uh, uh, the game against Michigan was highly anticipated by Nebraska fans after the way they had played the previous week. And, and I think, you know, even before that leading up to that, and I think there was a lot of confidence going into the game, uh, you know, shoot here. You had a uh, top 10 ranked team who was only a, a three point favorite over a unranked team uh, that spoke volumes about what uh, people uh, thought about Nebraska at the time. And uh, in my opinion, I think the game lived up to the hype totally. Uh, yeah, it was. Did I? You know, it, did it was I, a fun game. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't drag my chin on the ground walking out of the stadium. Uh, I wasn't happy. I, you know, I, I would have loved to have seen a victory. Um, oh, but, you were at the game. That's right. Yeah, I, I was there. I've been to the last two, and um, you know, honestly, when Nebraska got the ball back late in the game. I know we're jumping to the end of the game, but when Nebraska got the ball back with three minutes and however many seconds left, I said to my dad, I said, we're going to score. We just can't score too soon. Let's, you know, we need to have some, some semblance of a drive here and not leave a whole lot of time. But I was absolutely 100% confident that Nebraska was going to score and that uh, they, they take a lead. And with, with that, excitement and then with the adrenaline and the momentum there was no question in my mind that the defense could step up and uh prevent Michigan from from driving down the field but it wasn't to be so uh, anyway you know I, I guess when we when we look at the game it was probably the most complete game that a Nebraska team has played in the Scott Frost era uh you know the defense you know had a couple of uh, breaks where, uh, you know, they had a long run at guy, fullback kind of running back guy. Um, I don't remember names very good, but that long run. And, and they gave up, you know, some key first downs from time to time. Uh, they, they, could not, they could not defend that little drag pattern by the – it was kind of a little delay drag across the middle by the tight end. And uh, whenever Michigan needed 10 yards, they got it with that, with that play. But – Definitely the most complete game played by the Nebraska Cornhuskers since Scott Frost has been back. Yeah, I, I you know, that one uh, first down they gave up that they just uh, magically gave up when they were called for disconcerting signals. <laughs> yeah, I was, I rode a shuttle bus back to East Campus after the game with, and, and I'm 59 years old and I was the youngin' by a long ways on that bus going back to East campus, bunch of retired college of agriculture professors and spouses, but uh, they, you know, people were, they, they couldn't figure that out. And so I, I turned around and tried to explain it to him. And I said, yeah, it was kind of like how Iowa was clapping last year, uh, you know, and, and nothing really happened. Uh, that, that was a call that was made because uh, Jim Harbaugh, was getting on the officials very early in the game. And uh, they finally got sick and tired of listening to him bitching their ears about, um, you know, whatever it was. From what I read, it was Luke Reimer clapping. Um, but they were not even using a clap signal. So I don't understand how that could be 
disconcerting signals. I, the thing they, I mean, we're watching this and they call delay a game is what the signal was that we see on this cell phone because we can't hear anything. My brother-in-law is standing next to me and he goes, how the hell do you call delay a game on the, on the defense? And, it, it, you know, that confused me. So I looked it up right away when I was, when we were done. But uh, I think the thing that bothers me most is, you know, fucking call it, call the call disconcerting signals. That's fine. Why you have to call it on third down when it gives the other team a first down, then you're changing the game. But, like, you know, if Jim Harbaugh wants a fucking call for us clapping, go ahead and call it. But right then, that's when you choose to call it. And that's the problem I have with this stuff. We shouldn't get, oh, God, I don't want to get into officiating, but we have to, don't we? I mean, the problem with this is, is this was a really great game. It was a great game between two storied teams, and it was, you know, largely fucked up by incredibly shitty officiating. Well, Sam McCallum wrote an article. I didn't read the whole article, but in essence, he kind of addressed that same thing. It was a shame that, you know, such a good game had that kind of officiating. But, you know, the the other call that you hardly ever hear of or maybe never heard of was the joint possession call on the punt. Um, You know, how, how difficult is that for an official? Just, okay, it's joint possession. Pick one, damn it. And, and, you know, it, 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 pick one and, and, and point your arm right. in that direction and be definitive, you know? Right. Um, it's kind of like tie goes to the runner in baseball. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You make a call. You pick whoever you're either going to call the runner safer out. Michigan or Nebraska recovered that ball. One or the other recovered it and be done with it. I don't know. I don't think, you know, I don't know how much you want to go into the whole official conversation. I don't think the officials cost Nebraska this football game. Um, You know, Texas A&M game back in the old days of the big 12 and, you know, in the swan song, you know, I, I think you could make a pretty solid uh, argument that, that uh, the officials took that game away from Nebraska. This one, no, but it's unfortunate that those calls happened. I'll tell you, if you want to pick on a call during that game that had an impact, I think it was a lack of a whistle on forward progress on that carry that Adrian Martinez had in the second to the last drive of the game. Right. Um, but here you get into that judgment stuff again, because when they changed the rule three or four years ago about assisting the runner, that, that made it much more subjective as far as when you blow the whistle. Right. Um, so I don't know. Uh, the officials, they didn't have a good night. Uh, people behind us in the stadium were remarking, we're not going to get out of here at midnight with all these video <laughs> reviews. I mean, they were reviewing, they were, they were reviewing calls, you know, all the time. Yeah. So. <sighs> okay. The first half we ran up the middle a lot. I, I, think- I didn't get that. People were bitching and complaining about that around where I was sitting. I guess it surprised me a little bit, but I truly think what what Frost was doing was he was trying, I think, maybe two things. And and I don't want to give credit if it isn't deserved. I really think that he was trying to impress a mindset on the team that we're going to go against these guys mano a mano. We're going to, you know, this is going to be a slobber knocker of a football game. And by God, we're going to show these guys that we're going to come out and we're going to hit and we're going to keep coming at them. Now, that might have been in response a little bit to, you know, some comments that were made after Michigan put a whooping on us a couple of years ago 
where right. in essence, they called us soft. I mean, you know, I don't think those were the words, but that was the that was what was implied. So I think it was a mindset thing for one thing. I think the other thing is that, you know, it's like anything. If you, you know, if you keep pounding at something long enough, eventually it's going to weaken a little bit. And so, you know, in the second half, when when the offense started becoming a lot more diverse, those runs between the tackle were there at that point in time. They could, you know, Ramir Johnson got a, a, had a couple of nice carries right up the middle. Same play that they've been running in the first half for one, two, three yards. So I think it had an effect. However, to me, they wasted a hell of a lot of time in the first half when they could yeah. have been moving that ball up the ground, you know, with other plays up and down the field, yeah. I guess. Right. You know, I don't, I still, we're still building the program, aren't we? I mean, when you look at it, you can take shortcuts to this shit. And I think he's done everything but take a shortcut because he, you know, people bitch about him not playing the right players. He's not being playing the best players. He's playing his favorites. Give me a fucking break on that. I think what he's doing is actually, he's looking at these guys and he's saying, you know what, if you don't, if you don't, if you're not doing practice like we're supposed to be practicing, you're not getting reps. And if you're not showing up to meetings on time, you're not getting reps. And if you're not doing everything I'm telling you to do, you're not getting reps. And I, I don't give a shit if you're a Heisman Trophy winner. Back, I you know. I, I agree with you, you know, to a large extent. And, and you know, but by the same token, and, and we as fans don't deserve an explanation on any of this, but – when you had a lot of plays in the second half where Xavier Betts and Omar Manning were both on the sideline, I'm kind of sitting here questioning a little bit, why is that when you had two exceptional athletes right. with a lot of speed? You know, I, I, I didn't quite get that. Um, you know, they're running that option with the wideout with, um, with, with Falk. Um, that's kind of interesting. He's a good athlete and, you know, he makes, you know, eight to 10 yards on a carry. Uh, and you know, the time that they did try to run it with bets, uh, the, 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 uh, what do they call it? The, the, the space between the, the quarterback, the pitch difference, I don't know, whatever it was, but, uh, uh, bets had to have been, 10 yards away from Martinez when, when right. that pitch was made, um, you know, but the, the thing that I'm, I really like in the second half and that we've, we've seen more of it, you know, people all have been screaming about, they need an offensive identity. They need an offensive identity, you know? Well, I think the identity that's developing is one hell of a creative offense that's based yeah. on motion and misdirection. And I mean, there were some plays that they ran on, on Saturday night in the second half that I have never seen before. I have never seen a play drawn up like that. Um, that pass that went back to Johnson, you know, across back across the field, I have never seen that play drawn up before. So it, this offense is fun to watch when they get going. It, it really is fun to watch. It just needs to stay going. <laughs> yes. So we're three and, and four. 
we're three and four. We got Minnesota coming up next. I hope there's not a letdown. I got oh, a God. bad vibe on this. Do um, you? Yeah, I wish I didn't, but I I, I do. Um, for for whatever reason, but you know they're they're a better football team than Minnesota. Nebraska is a yeah. better football team than Minnesota. We were a better team than them last year, and they beat us. Yeah, yeah. And maybe they've know, got revenge on their mind. Maybe they looked at it and said, we don't want to be embarrassed by these road and, sons and of bitches anymore. Maybe so. I think one of the good things, my guess is the weather is going to be somewhat decent up there. It's not going to be that November cold like no. it was before. Um, so hopefully it's a, a dry night. Is it a night? I don't even know. Is it a night? 11 a.m. 11 a.m.? No. Boy, you're going to have to get up early to get over there, John. <laughs> Holy smoke. I get up early anyway. Well, I, I've said it before, and, and you know I'll, I'll say it again. Uh, I have – Minnesota, that stadium is the best stadium in the Big Ten to watch a football game. It is, it is a great stadium to sit in and, and move around and watch a football game. I love it. I, I, would, I would pick that stadium over any other stadium I've ever been really? in. Yes, to watch. Why? You have space. The sight angles are great. When, yeah, you're, when you walk down on the concourse, there's a lot of room. Uh, it's, it's new, <laughs> you know, it is a really nice place to watch a football game. And, um, you know, I, I, there are some, there's a few stadiums in the big 10 that I've not been in yet, but, um, I, you know, I've not been to the big house, but I can't imagine being in the big house. You get to see the game as well as you can see it in that stadium in, in, in St. Paul or Minneapolis, I guess. So well, but, I'll be on the sidelines. Yeah, so, you'll have you'll have a great view. Let, let's just a couple other things about Michigan, John. You know, you you kind of uh, take a strong liking to the offensive line, and it's unfortunate that Teddy Prochaska has uh, suffered a, a season-ending injury. Um, hopefully, um, you know Bryce Brent Benhart can can step up. You know, now that uh, he's kind of you know. Uh, had to, well, had to take a back seat here for a while. Um, hopefully he can step up and this offensive line can sustain some of the momentum that they've developed the last couple of weeks. What are, what are your thoughts as far as what you've seen with, with the offensive line? You know, it's, it, it's I, I, I like uh, Nuradin, the German dude. Yeah. I'm glad that he's starting. I'm glad that he's at guard. But uh, I don't know. He just like, you know what he looks like? He looks like one of those guys that from the 1950s that wears the big black rim glasses and kind of like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to kill people. But uh, I don't know. I, you know, I hope we're developing depth. I hope that they seem to be getting better. You know, I think they played a, a really very good Michigan defense pretty well last week, considering that, well, they, it's a top 10 defense. So it, I, I mean, when you step back and look at this season, even right now, I mean, what have we played? Three top 10 teams? Yeah, three top Already? 10 teams, and we've lost by a total of I don't know how many points. I mean, not very yeah. many damn points. And and we're going to, you know, we, even if we go on, we're going to play What? How, Wisconsin's defense is in the top five, I think. You know, Iowa's defense is obviously number one. But this year is, for being a weird year, we are playing some unbelievably tough football. 
And I think that, you know, what's the, you know, there's tons of cliches. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Uh, the iron sharpens iron, all that kind of shit. But I, I do think that, you know, because we're probably playing a young offensive line and they're getting better, that this bodes well for the future. I think it does. I, the offensive line still isn't where it needs to be. I still think it, it'd be nice to give, you know, Martinez, you know, another another half a second or something, you know, when he does drop back to pass, um, you know, and, and uh, obviously, as you mentioned earlier in, in our conversation tonight, they were not blowing the defense off the line such that the runners, you know, had space uh, to have any decent sized gains on the inside. But that being said, uh, you know, they are a work in progress. They are still young. And uh, I, I, I hope we see continued progress. Now, uh, I, I was listening, you know, to some sports talk today, and uh, they're saying that Minnesota's defense is uh, pretty solid in the front seven, and um, not so not so strong in the back four. But it, I, I think the difference in the game, and we can talk about this in a few minutes, but the difference in the game this weekend is going to be that matchup, the Nebraska offensive line against uh, Minnesota's defense up front. And, and that's going to tell the tale back to um, back to the Michigan game. Just a couple of other things that I want to mention. First of all, uh, my brother went to his first game of the year. Uh, he doesn't go to many, um, but uh, my brother went to vet school at Ohio State University back in the oh, 80s. Oh, that's right, yeah. And uh, he got a phone call middle of the week from his one of his best friends when he was in vet school and his wife. And it just so happened that my brother was married when he was in vet school and the two couples spent a lot of time together, et cetera, et cetera. Their son played for Michigan and they were coming to town and he was, uh, he was one of the tight ends. Uh, number 84. Uh, he had been a tackle that couldn't put weight on, so they <laughs> made him a tight end and caught his first pass of his oh, wow. college career against Nebraska. Anyway. Uh, that bastard! Yeah, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I see a picture of my brother and sister-in-law with this couple, and of course the couple, they had their son's jersey on. And my brother and my sister-in-law, I made him turn in his Cornhusker card. They went to the game not wearing red because they were sitting in the Michigan parents section. And I said, that is inexcusable. If I need to bring you some red clothes, I'll bring you red clothes, Jay, if you, if you, if you need red clothes. And I, I just couldn't believe it. And he says, well, we didn't want to offend. Oh, my God. You see, I that knew guy, I that your reaction. brother didn't want to offend somebody. What's happened to him? What a puss boy is he now? <laughs> My God, anyway. I am I am absolutely disappointed and disgusted with that story. I, I am too. I I truly was. And uh, well, I'll maybe you should just cut off some other things and leave them somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, you know, I guess just, you know, final word on Michigan. I, you know, 
there were some people who made some comments, you know, on no more moral victories. I didn't even look at this as a moral victory. I, I didn't, I didn't right. I'm done with that. This was a hell of a football game yeah. against two teams. And the way it's set up, one's going to walk off the field a winner and one's going to walk off the field a loser. It, 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 Nebraska didn't get it done. Um, hopefully, you know, the, the motivation is, is still there for the players. So, John, we got Minnesota coming up 11 o'clock on Saturday. You're going to be on the sideline uh, shooting photos, not gophers, shooting photos. And uh, you, you probably know more about uh, Minnesota football than anybody else that comes on this program or hangs around coordination. What, uh, what are your thoughts about the game coming up this weekend? Okay. Uh, I, you know, I, we, I have two gopher fans in my house. I have one that goes there and then mother, Mrs. Coronation feels necessary to support the Gophers just because, yeah, she's a mother. <laughs> I have to be quiet talking about it. Anyway, um, so I've watched, I've watched the Gophers. And I mean, in the first game of the season, they played Ohio State and they, they played them very tough. I, they played them very well, you know, until the second half and Ohio State just has too many weapons and, it, Minnesota's backfield can't cover those guys. And that, that really just – Ohio State just big played them to death, which I would hope we could do that to them too. But, you know, the, what was it? Uh, then they lost Mo Ibrahim in that game, and that really – there goes their season because he is, I think, a very, very good back. He is uh, – you know, give him the ball, he gets four or five yards. It doesn't matter what's in front of him, he gets four or five yards. And – that can do a lot for your offense, but uh, they beat uh, who they beat Colorado thirty to nothing, held them to negative nineteen yards rushing. Uh, they then they turn around and they lose to Bowling Green in what is the worst loss of this entire college football season. And I know you're probably going, well, why would that? Bowling Green was a thirty point underdog when yeah. they played. It was a terrible, horrible game for Minnesota. They could do nothing. Their defense played decently, but Bowling Green made the plays when they needed to make the plays. You know, and then Minnesota comes back the next week and they they beat Purdue. And Purdue is not, I, I don't, we should beat Purdue. Everybody should beat Purdue, except maybe Northwestern. But uh, you know, they did. They ran the ball just well enough. Minnesota has now lost their second running back, Trey Potts. Uh, so they're down two guys that were, were very important to their offense. Quarterback Tanner Morgan has not looked like he did in the past where he could, uh, you know, Eric Janander has played him, played him soft last year and played him soft the year before that because Tanner Morgan always had a really good touch on a deep ball. So when you run Mo. Up the middle for five yards every freaking carry, and then you hit the deep ball to a, you know, a Tyler Johnson or a Rashad Bateman, uh, you know that you they were, could get some explosive plays out. And Tanner Morgan has just not played well at all. So I don't they they're like I don't know what's going on with Minnesota, but they're not. We should beat the hell out of them because they just seem like they're kind of a lost team. Uh, their defense is fifth nationally against the run, but I think, you know, that's from holding Colorado to nothing. And, you know, Purdue doesn't run the ball. 
right. pretty much. So I would think that I don't think we can have our way with their defense, but I think that we could should be able to score a decent amount of points on them again, unless we shoot ourselves in the foot. See, I think that's ultimately what it's going to come down to is not shooting ourselves in the foot. And I guess I'm optimistic that with the diversity that we have on offense that, um, you know, Frost and Lubeck will find a way uh, to move the ball against them. Uh, And who knows, you know, who knows how that's going to happen. Uh, You know, the, the, the defense uh, doesn't, um, you know, when, when Nebraska's on defense, I've got a lot of confidence. However, you know, you mentioned kind of the pattern that they've had where they just pound it, pound it, pound it, and then they throw it over top. Well, you know, uh, our, our safety, Mr. Williams, has uh, been burnt more than a few times um, with play action and, and you know, uh, sneaking up to the line uh, when he – thinks there should be a run and you see him chasing a receiver down the middle of the field, you know, five yards behind him. I, that, that part's got me a little bit worried. So I, I hope that Chenander, you know, has, uh, has that type of, you know, coverages and that type of thing straightened out, but uh, see this, there I you showed go. This in my prediction video. It's a, it's a photo of Wandale Robinson being chased by gopher pursuers. And what happened on this play is Wandell Robinson caught the ball around the end, came all the way down the eight-yard line, and the play was called back on holding. You know what I'd like to do with this photo? I'd like to replace it with another one for, with Minnesota that's better than this, of us scoring touchdowns or something against freaking Minnesota. I love Wandale Robinson, but uh, I'm tired of that photo being up there. And yeah. I, I, I'll tell you that game, thirty-four to seven, Nebraska was embarrassed, and yeah. they they were physically beaten to hell by Minnesota's offensive and defensive lines. And I I hope that when Nebraska comes up to Minnesota this time, they remember that game just like they remember the Michigan fifty-six to ten loss, and that they have a kind of a mental attitude that says that's not happening anymore. Well, and th- because right now Minnesota. I, I think I see Minnesota as a team that, you know, was like us then beat the shit out of them. And maybe they won't want to be there anymore. And we can just fucking my entire family's going to this game, by the way, everybody has to. <laughs> I think this team has the mindset that they can do it if they're in that frame of mind. And if they, if they don't shoot themselves in the foot, uh, I, I think that they can have a comfortable win over Minnesota. Um, but like I said, at the outset, I, I, there have been times, you know, we've played very well. The, the Cornhuskers have played very, very well the last two weeks. I don't want to see a letdown, and hopefully they, you know, they can keep them up. So, anyway, that's, that's a big game. Uh, if Nebraska wins, that puts them at four and four. Uh, Got to find a couple more wins to be bowl eligible. I think they're there. Uh, you know, a lot of the prognosticators say that, uh, you know, they believe Nebraska can beat anybody left on the schedule except Ohio State. Well, you know what? They got Ohio State in Lincoln. And yeah. uh, who knows? You know, I, I'm going to stay optimistic at this point because I like uh, I like the trajectory that the team's been on the last few weeks. Uh, I, I actually, since they played Oklahoma. And, so how, uh, how was the stadium? The stadium was incredible. It was um, It was as loud as it has been in many, many, many years. Uh, I, I still 
think, you know, for there are a couple games, you know, quite a few years ago when Alex Henry kicked that field goal against Colorado uh, to win that game at the end, that stadium was nuts the whole game. I was also at a Nebraska-Colorado game that was a night game a few years before that where it was just incredibly loud. But it was, it was very, very loud. Uh, there was a lot of excitement. The student section, the student section was packed as early as I've seen it for a number of years. The students were ramped up. They were ready to go. They had some intensity before the game started. And, uh, you know, it, it, it really was a, a fun place to be. And, um, you know, I, I was told, I don't know if it was on the television broadcast or the radio broadcast or maybe both, that at times the crowd noise was so loud it drowned out the announcers. I mean, you know, they weren't filtering it, you know, well enough to, to so you could hear the announcers. So uh, I, I also think, you know, it's kind of funny after, after stumbling, trying to build somewhat of an identity uh, for the crowd experience, I think they've landed on it now, especially for night games. Uh, you know, they moved the, uh, you know, that come running boys or whatever it's called that Irish, you know, tune that they, you know, uh, you know what it is, the Scarlet yeah. and Cream. That was the third uh, quarter break uh, song for, you know, a couple of years, at least they've moved that to the second quarter and uh, at the, you know, between the first and second quarter and, you know, the crowd gets into that students really get into that and the crowd kind of figures it out and starts to get into it. And, you know, so there's a little experience there and, then obviously the whole thunderstruck and the flames. Here's something that was really interesting though. Um, and I think Michigan was calling it the takeover or something like that. As yeah. soon as, as soon as thunderstruck started, the Michigan players, they were moving onto the field and they were bouncing up and down, bouncing. And Nebraska players weren't, I don't, you know, I think everybody was afraid that if they were having fun, Frost would get pissed off at them or something. But the Michigan players, kind of as a swarm, they were bouncing, and they started moving towards the middle of the field. And some of the Nebraska players started moving towards oh! the field. And they were bouncing a little bit. And there was some trash talking going on. Officials and coaches did come out and moved them back. And I thought, this could be yes. awesome. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this might be one of the greatest things ever seen at a Nebraska football game in the middle in the, during the – quarter they throw down and have a brawl I, I <laughs> but it was uh it, it was fun it it, it, it was it, it's approaching what it's like to be up in camp randall you know at the end of the third quarter uh it, it's it's pretty cool experience uh, did you watch any other games i really didn't i tell you i was working on some other stuff on saturday i didn't watch any of the early game no back up that's not true I did watch Iowa Penn State, uh, at, but when I left was probably about two series into the second half when, uh, what is his name, Clifton? Is that the quarterback? Clifford, Sean Clifford. Clifford's, man, when he when he got knocked out, Penn State could generate – I mean, they had a couple of decent drives, but they were sitting ducks, you know, from that point on. It's it's a shame. I think, I think if he'd have stayed healthy throughout the game, I think Penn State would have beat Iowa. I don't. I don't think Iowa was going to uh, be able to stop that that Penn State offense. So, anyway, the fraudsters. The fraudsters. <laughs> um, well, hey, wait just a minute. I did watch. 
Look at that. I did watch Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. Holy smokes. That was that was so much fun. And uh, yeah, that was that was a hell of a game to watch. I mean, Oklahoma, well, Texas scored 28 points in the first quarter, right? First quarter. Yeah, yeah. it was 28 to seven at the end of the first quarter. <laughs> and I watched I watched most of that, but we had to leave for the wedding. So I think I missed like, uh, well, the last the end of the game when Oklahoma came back and it, you know, it was they took Rattler out. The, the uh, Rotten Son Isaiah is very good at watching football and making points about it. And he and I both agreed that I, we didn't think Spencer Rattler was that good. We don't think he's bad, but for the, when you hype a guy up for his a preseason Heisman favorite, he has to be up here. And he just isn't. Well, they're still talking about him as a, as a first round draft pick. And they're saying, so what if, so what if Spencer Rattler doesn't play another down this season? You know, what does that do his draft stock? And I heard him talking to this afternoon saying, well, he might drop from the middle of the first round down to the end of the first round. And I said, are you kidding me? Well, the NFL needs quarterbacks so badly. Well, I, I, yeah, I don't. I'm not a Spencer Rattler fan, uh, not at all. And uh, to me, I thought it was really fun to watch that young kid come out, you know, with absolutely no fear, and uh, you know, take that and team. Just, to just embarrass Texas, embarrass yes. Texas, embarrass Texas. Yeah, I I'll take OU any day over Texas, and and you know, I know that. You know, there are people listening to this podcast that aren't OU fans. I, I, <laughs> Nebraska is my school. I always cheer for Nebraska. And, uh, you know, I would never, ever, ever cheer for OU over Nebraska. But I cheered for OU in, in every other game they played. That's just kind of where my mindset's been. So, well, they, you know, they keep looking kind of shabby, but they keep winning. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess you could say the thing, same thing for Iowa. Their offense isn't very good, but they keep they are way above everybody in takeovers and turnover margin. Right. And and that, you know, that defense that Iowa has forces quarterbacks to make bad decisions. And they they really are a good defensive team. Now, interestingly enough, you know, that quarterback, uh Petrus, he he came up with a big play, you know, in that fourth quarter uh, to you know, to lead the team to the winning touchdown. But I agree with you. I, I think it'll be interesting. Well, like I already said it, if Penn State's quarterback had stayed healthy, I think the outcome would have been different. Uh, yeah. But Iowa has their typical schedule where they play one tough team from the East. And, uh, you know, so who knows? How did they get that? I don't know, but it seems like it's a pattern with them. I don't know if there's ever been a year where they've played uh, Michigan and Ohio state in the same season, uh, yeah. you know, and let alone, you know, all three of those tough teams. But the, to me, it looks like I was in the driver's seat. I would love nothing more. I think it would just be incredible if they come into Lincoln, Nebraska, the day after Thanksgiving undefeated Yeah, and our, and our boys take it to them. Yeah. I think that would just be, that would be icing on the cake. I hope that's not a win that Nebraska has to get for number six. I hope right. they have number six in their pocket before then. But uh, that would be that would just be so amazing to knock those sons of bitches out of the playoff. Uh, yeah, I I might I might cry. I might cry. 
<laughs> I'll tell you what. Cry for I Iowa? Would... would you cry for Iowa? No. <laughs> I will be in California watching that game. It'll be the first one I haven't, first Iowa Nebraska game I haven't seen in many, many, many years. And uh, I'll be out there with relatives celebrating Thanksgiving. And there's a lot of Husker fans out there. That'd be something. That will be something if that were to happen. So, anyway, a couple other things going on, John. You know, uh, the, we we don't want to forget about Nebraska volleyball. They had an incredible win against Penn State uh, this last weekend. Uh, you know, then they absolutely made Rutgers look like a, a junior high team. But uh, the the volleyball team is really coming into their own right now. Uh, Lauren Stivens being in the lineup has really changed. Uh, the intensity, it seems like, and the focus of that team. And uh, it seems like, you know, some of those young players are getting their feet under them. Uh, they're playing Indiana tonight. I have no idea how that game's going at this point as we record this. Um, but they're certainly doing well. Uh, your, your, yours and my favorite springtime sport uh, had the Red-White Series this weekend right. where uh, they played three games Monday, Tuesday, and finished it up today. Uh, I did watch uh, a couple of those games on the live stream. A lot of new names, and it will be really interesting to see uh, what kind of lineups uh, you know Coach Bolt puts out on the field in the early going next year. Uh, he seems like uh, the recruiting has been uh, kind of off the charts. Off the charts. He just got another kid. I don't know where he is from. I think he's from Texas, maybe. Another pitcher, and um, – uh, yes. And, and some of these young players are, are pretty impressive. Uh, they're looking good. And, uh, you know, I know that, um, uh, oh, geez, help me out, John, uh, Matthews, right? Yeah. Uh, they're looking at him at, at shortstop, but they got a Canadian kid that played shortstop for the other team that looks to be a pretty doggone good player too. So, uh, when it's all said and done, this roster is going to have four Canadians on it. And uh, that all comes from John Stern, who was on Dave Van Horn's early teams, uh, running a program up there and uh, funneling huh. some funneling some very good players down to Coach Bolt. So Nebraska baseball, uh, they're going to, you know, pack their bags for the for the fall and, and focus in on their winter programs. And before we know it, uh, they'll be. They'll be throwing the ball again around or throwing the ball around again. And I, I can't wait to see what I want to see what their schedule is. I'm really anxious to see where they're where they're headed. So when and, you uh, mean if they're going to play any high schools like Iowa? Well, yeah, I want to see how many high school teams Nebraska is going to play to, uh, you know, geez, Louise. And well, better yet, you know, I understand Nebraska's uh, fall game against Wichita State fell through because of. COVID. But uh, they did play Creighton, 12-inning game against Creighton. Right. Uh, Iowa had a very successful week with their fall series playing Iowa Western Community College and Kirkwood Community College. What so the hell? they really challenged themselves this fall uh, to uh, by taking on a couple of uh, Iowa JUCO baseball teams. So, yeah. What, what's the, what the hell is he doing? I don't know. 
I have. I thought when Rick Heller showed up at Iowa that they would be in the top four of the Big Ten after that, and that just has not happened. I don't want to turn this into an Iowa baseball. No, no, we can talk Iowa baseball some other time, but uh, or maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, so John, uh, we need to wrap this all up. Uh, Yeah. Typically, uh, it's prediction time. So uh, I'm curious what you think is going to happen up there on the not-so-frozen tundra of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Well, I I already did my preview and prediction video uh, bit, and I said 38 to 17. And the reason for that is I just – I think that we're in a position where Minnesota just isn't, I don't think they're going to be able to generate much offense. So I think 17 points for them is probably honestly about as many points as they can score. I don't, they do have, uh, I can't remember his name, right? A Clint transfer from Clemson is a pretty, uh, he, he is, he's a dangerous receiver. Ottman Bell is a dangerous receiver, but I don't think either of them are at the level of Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman in the past. Uh, they do have a Cole Kramer, I think it is, their third-string quarterback that lines up and runs like short yardage and wildcat situations. But yep. I, yep. What, when we're watching the Minnesota games, what we're, my son and I will laugh about the fact that P.J. Fleck has like two plays. And in the past, Minnesota has lived off the slant play. And they're, they, they are really just, I don't know, they're not, they don't have it together. I just don't see how we could lose this game unless we not just give them one bad play, but we give them like four turnovers. If we give them four turnovers, we're going to lose. But I'm going with 38 to 17. It's not based on any kind of how many series we're going to have. I expect us to beat the shit out of them. I really do. I, I expect us to physically beat them. And if we don't physically beat them, I will be rather disappointed. Yeah, I, I hope we do too. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a horrible predictor. I hate predicting. Um, but I, I got a feeling that Nebraska is going to, Nebraska is going to win by at least 14 points. So, uh, you know, I'm going to throw 35 35 21 out there and um you know see 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 if, if you can get it right one time <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway so i guess that's going to wrap it up for tonight uh, and for you know the this edition of the podcast uh, i would invite all of our listeners to visit coronation and check out john's other videos he's been doing a good job uh, on a weekly basis and uh, read the articles. There are a lot of very talented writers on coordination, bringing a lot of different perspective on Nebraska athletics and other topics of interest and uh, including poop every morning, every Monday, you get to read about poop in the uh, Scott Frost flakes and uh, you know, give us, give us a look. So with that said, I'm going to, Wrap this all up. This is Todd Wolverton reminding you that five hearts are all the heart you need. John? Go Big Red. Go Big Red.